Hey everyone, it's Jonathan and welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. Today's episode is the second in our three-part series on Bambi, and this time we're talking about Bambi 2. Insert sad trombone noise here. Sort of. This sequel is definitely not one of the worst that Disney's ever made, but it is one of the most egregious, it, just in terms of how long they took to make the sequel. But they were planning on sequels to Snow White, Pinocchio, and Dumbo, all of which were cancelled, so it definitely could have been worse than this. <laughs> Anyway, that's enough of me dunking on the sequels for now. There will be plenty of time for that in the future. For now, let's just get on with the episode, and like I did last time, I'll leave the original intro intact and just jump right into that. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon on iHeartMovies. My name is Jonathan North, and today we're continuing our little mini-series on Bambi with our discussion of the direct-to-video sequel from 2006, Bambi 2. Last time, my cousin Sarah and I talked about the original film, so if you missed that one, make sure to check out that episode before we get to this one. My original plan for this review was to just do it on my own as a short video for YouTube, which I'd probably release as a mini-review on the podcast. I knew Sarah wasn't interested in watching it, and I was barely interested in watching it, so I figured that when the time came to put out my Bambi episode, I'd watch Bambi 2 and record a quick review to go along with it and call it good. However, not long after I recorded with Sarah, I noticed some positive tweets about Bambi 2 coming from someone in my circle of Twitter friends. I was kind of surprised. Someone actually liked this movie? The Disney direct-to-video sequels are mostly universally disliked, so I thought, well, if someone out there actually likes Bambi 2 and they're willing to talk about it, why not just go ahead and make a full episode out of it? So to that end, today I'm joined by Christian Paystrip. Like I said, he actually really enjoyed Bambi 2, so I knew we'd have a great discussion. Now for the two or three of you out there who may be familiar with the original Bambi novel, you might know that Bambi actually had a sequel written by Felix Salton himself. That book was called Bambi's Children, and this is not it. Despite the title, this is not actually a direct sequel to Bambi. This is more like a midquel, I think they call it a story that covers events that happened during the events of the original movie. In this case, the period of time directly following the death of Bambi's mother and before the jarring, abrupt, spring-song Twitter patient scene in the original Bambi. I mean, Sarah and I even talked about that in the last episode, that it would have been a natural place to tell at least some of the story of Bambi's time being raised by his father. So in that respect, it makes perfect sense that they'd want to fill in that gap, even if it is a 64-year gap between the films. Anyway, that's all I've got by way of introduction. Let's get on with our discussion of Bambi 2 with Christian Paystrip on the Disney Movie Marathon. The reason I wanted you to do this episode with me is because I noticed how much you seem to love Bambi 2. <laughs> and I don't usually see that online. I don't usually see that kind of love for any of the sequels. So I thought you could tell me what it was that about Bambi 2 you really liked. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I saw it a few years back, if that makes any sense. So it was like, I've always loved the first one. And I ended up seeing it a few years back, as I said, and it, there's ba I just ended up going, wow, that was actually really good. Um, and I think part of that was it just, it, it's weird. It feels very respectful to the original. Is that a weird word to put for it? I don't know. It just, it just, it just felt like it was created by people who actually wanted to make like a sequel that, you know, honored the original instead of, you know, just making a really easy, cheap movie, you know? 
Does that make any sense? Yeah, I would say that for me, it felt like it was both respectful, but also, I, I don't, I want to say maybe irreverent. It was like it was trying to be both. Like I it was trying that, really yeah. hard to be both. I, I do think there are elements of it that don't fully work. I think my big thing is uh, it definitely, it's humor. It doesn't know what to do with its humor sometimes. Um, yeah, definitely. Like you have scenes uh, where you, it just like drags on, where it's just like that whole point where it's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna teach you how to be brave, and it just like goes on for like ten minutes, and you're just like, okay, can we can we move on to the the plot now? <laughs> yeah, that stuck out to me as one of the worst offenders, probably. Yeah. There, were, there were a few scenes, but that one, that one really drug out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the other one is Rano. I did not care at all about that. Like, like the whole thing was, um, it's it's basically like the whole thing is, you know, he's there just so they can set up. Oh, this is who we fought in the original movie, and he doesn't do anything aside from oh i'm the bully character look at me you know so it's just like really yeah i was kind of annoyed the entire time by rano like i realized he was a character from the books and they wanted to set him up for the movie for the original movie but like he was not needed at all (laughs) Not, not that i feel like there was a lot in this movie that was needed i I, like, for me, this suffers most uh, from just the fact that it didn't need to exist. True. And I, I can see that. I think the reason that it probably is as good as it is is because the people who made this one really liked the original. I have a feeling maybe this was something that maybe they didn't want to make. This is something that they were told that they needed to make just because they were making sequels during that time period. They were like, well, we're going to do a Bambi 2. So they they tried to make the best of what they had is kind of the feeling that I'm getting, which is why this one seems to stick out as being so much better than a lot of the other sequels. Uh, I, I think that was probably the case as well. Like there was stuff like Fox and the Hound 2 getting a sequel and Fox and the Hound getting a sequel. And you're like, one. you're just like, why was this made? <laughs> what do you do with Fox and the Hound? Mm-hmm. like like there were just a ton of stuff like that and you can tell like near the end of it you end up with like you know cinderella 3 being a time travel movie you know it's it's fun but it's like wow that that's one way to take the story yeah uh, but yeah I, I, I can see your point there yeah i still haven't seen i i haven't seen most of the sequels there were a few that i saw that came out like when i was a kid and after that i stopped watching them i'm gonna watch them eventually like when i get to each original movie in the time in the timeline because i'm doing them in order right equal after that to go with it but other than that i haven't seen a whole lot of the ones that were made like in the 2000s very few i've actually seen for the most part i don't think any of the sequels that they made direct to video need to exist no they did not i can't right now i i cannot think of one that i've seen that added anything of substance to the original 
including the ones that are better than the ones that are really cheaply made. Even this one, it just feels it like it didn't need to exist. Yeah. Like I I'm trying to think of the ones I actually like out of the bunch. And again, you got like stuff like, you know, Cinderella three, Lion King one and a half, maybe. But both of those aren't really like, you know, expanding anything. They're just like, what if we did basically MST3K but with Timon and Pumbaa? I feel like the best yeah. of these are best when you view them as sort of an alternate universe. Agreed. You don't <laughs> think of them as strictly canon. Because <laughs> a lot of a lot of my problems with this one especially would be solved if it was a totally different story. Like yeah. if this were not supposed to be the original Bambi, most of my complaints, I wouldn't have those complaints. Like Thumper. It seems like a completely different character from the original. He seems way more childish the way he talks does not sound like the original thumper not not the voice quality but just the the way he uses words he sounds like he's a year or two younger than he was like he doesn't know all of his words like he says bestest all the time I don't oh remember i forgot about that, that. <laughs> there's also a missing sister there were five sisters and now there's only four so, well, dang, the hunter got her, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that really stands out to me is the music. Oh. Because the original oh, had the a music, very yeah. specific quality of music. It's very 30s. The music oh, yeah. that they had, it's very of the times. So the music that they put into this feels completely out of place. Like there's an Alison Krauss song, which... I grew up with a dad who loves country bluegrass music. Right. So I like Alison Krauss. She does not fit Bambi. It does not feel right having Alison Krauss singing a song in the middle of Bambi 2. Yeah, it's just like... And the thing is, Bambi, the original, wasn't even, like, really a musical. Like, there are... No. There's, like, a, there's like the rain song you know yeah and that's really about it so it's like oh we're gonna do three of these just in montages you're just like oh mm -hmm. oh okay guess we're doing this it just it felt weird but like i said if this were a completely different movie about a completely different deer in a completely different story i wouldn't care i would like it because it was a good song yeah it just felt weird in the middle of bambi yeah the other big thing that really stood out to me, and this is not necessarily a bad thing, but they kept having scenes where it was like too much. Remember that thing from the original Bambi? We're going to do it again. Oh, oh yeah. The, what's Twitter painting? I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I <laughs> was thinking like that. stylized things, but that is a good example too. Yeah. <laughs> like anytime the dogs appeared, it felt like they were doing an homage to the original, even though this is supposed to be, I guess not a sequel, but like a midquel, whatever a they call midquel. it. But like the, the lighting changed and it looked great. But it was oh, yeah. like, we have seen this in the original, and it's just like they're trying to remake the scene, except with Bambi younger. Yeah. And it just it felt kind of odd that way to me. I didn't have much issue with it, just on I felt like for what it was in the movie, like in the context, I was like, it works. Yeah. It, it, it is a bit of a, yeah, it's definitely calling back, but for me, I felt it was very natural with the plot, but, but I can I mean, definitely see the complaint with it, yeah. In the context of this movie and this movie alone, it's totally fine. 
Yeah. But since it's supposed to be a sequel to the original Bambi, it just felt like they were pointing that out a little too much. Because there were two different scenes where they basically they introduced the, same type the dogs. Of thing. Yeah. Because you got the first scene where it's just like, oh, we're in the meadow again, and here are the dogs. And then there's the second one where the dogs are in the forest and stuff, where, mm-hmm. where it's more direct. Yeah. It, the, the whole scene on the side of the mountain felt like almost, I don't want to say a ripoff because this is technically a sequel sort of a movie, but that's kind of what it felt like. It felt like they were kind of ripping off the original. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, we're doing Felina, Felina on the cliff again, but this time it's Bambi this time. Yeah. See, it's different, different. Yeah. And another thing that kept pulling me out was the weird tonal shifts. Because they'd have a scene where it's like really cutesy with the baby animals doing cutesy baby animal things. And then they'd try to be as dark as the original, not quite getting there. And I mean, the original had that issue too, but it didn't seem like they were trying too hard with the original. I I can't really explain why it worked in the original, but it didn't here. It just felt really jarring, probably because there was a lot more of it in long, like we talked about with the scene trying to be brave. It felt like it yeah. went on for too long. And then to have to go into the next scene where the, the I, I don't, I don't, foster mother, Mina. The foster mother. And then yeah. the dogs are coming. And it's like, this really seems weird. And then they have a, the skunk fart joke in the middle of that. It just seemed weird. <laughs> it was, yeah, I was just like, could you imagine? I jokingly put it, I'm like, I really do enjoy this movie. But imagine if someone edited... Bambi one and two, like Bambi two, right in between the 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 mother's death and when they're adults, it would be so weird. Yeah, uh, that's why I feel like this is best viewed as its own thing. I I don't like thinking of it as part of the Bambi story, but on its own, it's fine. Yeah. It's just weird if I'm trying to have to cram this into the middle of this other movie that I love. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, for me, uh, my big thing was I just, I don't know, I was just, when I first saw it, I wasn't expecting much out of it, I guess, mm-hmm. which expectations do mean a lot in these kind of things. Um, and it's something I noticed a little more with this when I was rewatching it a few days ago. Like, there's the point where, um, like, the whole story is about, you know, Bambi and his father, like, essentially connecting and getting over their, uh, the mother's death. That was the thing that I was like, okay, that, that makes sense to take this as a story, you know, mm-hmm. in some regard. Because there is that, you know, time in the original where it's not really fully explored, you know. And it works for the original, but for its for a sequel, I was like, that's actually a really good, you know, place to take this. It was it and I think that's my big thing. I felt it was very reverent in that regard. So Yeah, I like the idea and I like the idea of exploring the relationship between Bambi and his father. There's a lot about this movie that in theory it should work. Yeah. But when I watch it, I just feel more comfortable thinking of it as its own thing instead of part of the original Bambi. It just doesn't feel like it works as that, but on its own, I don't mind it at all. Yeah. One thing that this is probably, a, it could be seen as a nitpick, but when we were talking, like my cousin and I are going through most of these together. So when right. we recorded our review for Bambi, we realized 
the the timeline that they set up for the lifespan of a deer doesn't match with what's in Bambi. And then to have Bambi 2, that really throws a wrench into the timeline of a deer's life. <laughs> because in the original book, Bambi, it takes place right. over the real lifespan of a deer. Right. Bambi is almost a grown-up when his mother gets killed. And that takes, a deer takes about a year to go from a newborn to basically a grown-up able to have kids of their own. Right. I think we read that Bambi, I don't remember exactly what, where we saw this, but basically they didn't want, they wanted Bambi to seem really, still really innocent when his mother dies for more emotional impact. So they just kind of ignored the fact that by this time he should have been probably sprouting horns, not having spots at that stage. Right. And they just kept him small. That's like the one big flaw of the original Bambi is that you have him a baby, his mother dies, and then you're immediately in the springtime. He's grown up. Everybody's happy. and saying It's yeah. a very weird tonal shift. And then you have all the, oh, hey, man, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> uh. And if you take the lifespan of a deer literally, that should have been the next spring. So yeah. basically, Bambi should have grown up over that winter. Right. Which already kind of doesn't make sense, but I was willing to forgive it for what Walt wanted to do. But then yeah. you have this other movie that comes in and crams in a whole nother year <laughs> in between this, these two scenes. It's literally in February because the groundhog is a part yeah. of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my biggest thing with it. It's just weird as part of the Bambi story. But it's fine on its own. Yeah. It's really not that bad of a movie. Yeah. Speaking of, in terms of timeline, the Beauty and the Beast sequels, like it's like, wait, why is he a beast again? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have not seen that one since I was a kid. And I'm not yeah. really looking forward to going back to seeing that. <laughs> Neither one of them are good is good. <laughs> I the uh, I've only seen the Christmas one. I've never seen the other one. Oh gosh, you've pictures been from the other one, and it looks <laughs> frightening. <laughs> it looks it looks bad. It's bad. <laughs> it really is. Um, but no, I, I think I do agree with you. As its own movie, I think that's where a lot of my like love for it is. Just kind of as a oh, this was you know a movie that was clearly made with people who wanted to, you know, make a worthy sequel to it. And I, I like, I think my big thing is the animation. Mm-hmm. Like they took Tyrus Wong's like um, impressionist look and just were like, okay, we have a, you know, slightly bigger, better technology as that. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, you know, blow it to, you know, a whole different scale here. Um, yeah. In terms of animation, this looks on par with anything they released theatrically around that time. It yeah, amazing. It is really well made. I think I won an Annie at one point as well. It might have. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. The, the animation is probably the best part of this movie. It really oh, yeah. is to look at. Well, I think that's about all I've got to say. Do you have any <laughs> final thoughts? <laughs> final thoughts. Um, 
I think the big thing that I probably my favorite scene in the whole movie it's it's actually the opening like the opening scene was like the scene mm-hmm. I was like oh yeah I'm hooked when it just it starts right where it left off yeah and it just it gives and it immediately gives um the great prince you know his own you know character instead of I'm here to you know show up like cool shots and stuff you know mm-hmm and like having him, you know, like seeing this guy, he's like, oh, great. Now what do I do? You know, like that was the moment I was like, okay, I'm interested. Where do we go from here? You know, with that scene, I really liked how they, at the beginning, it was the original scene just from a different point of view. It was like the camera was up in the trees instead of down on the ground. Yes. I like that they shot. did that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would be really about it. I mean, it, I definitely can, I do see the flaws like that you brought up. Um, and and they were definitely stuff that bug that bugged me as well. Um, I feel like my love for it from the first time I watched it a few years back has tampered down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I do, I do think it's a for a Disney directed DVD sequel. It, it's it's definitely one of the best in that yeah. regard. Not that that's yeah. a high bar, but I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Okay, well, I guess we'll end it there. Do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want to find out more from you? Uh, yeah, I, I run a YouTube channel. It's called Dark Star Studios Channel. Um, I usually do reviews there. I've been doing a lot. I do short films. Um, I just started a whole project where I'm taking older movies and like giving them modern trailers and stuff. I basically just kind of do anything involving film, but I mostly do reviews like of modern stuff, like current releases and stuff. Okay. Well, I'll have links in the description. So if you're interested, you can check them out. Okay. Well, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. We might see you again. If we think of anything else, might have to have you back sometime. Yeah. You just dragged me into one of the other, (laughs) the other sequels. I mean, (laughs) We could. Uh, like, I have a feeling my cousin won't be that interested in watching those with me. So yeah. if I need another co-host for one of those, maybe I'll have you back for that. I'll just be like, I'm, I'm down. I can help. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll see you another time then. Yep, hopefully. Bye. Thanks again to Christian for joining me on this episode. I'll have his information in the description below if you want to check out more from him. Okay, like we teased in the last episode, next time Sarah and I will actually be talking about another movie with ties to Bambi, Disney's true life adventure, Perry. Despite its obscurity, I watched this movie a bunch as a kid, so I was really excited to revisit it for the podcast. So make sure to come back next time for more on the Disney Movie Marathon on iHeartMovies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>